0: What do you get when you put 10 football and party maniacs in an overly competitive fantasy football league? You get The Long Shots, a podcast dedicated to the wonderful world of fantasy football, weekly analytics and hot takes on upcoming games, and plenty of trash talk. Trust us, this is one fantasy league you don't want to lose. Now your hosts, Zach May, Victor Corona, And Ian Duffy.
1: Welcome back to the Longshot I'm Zach May. Thank you for joining us this episode because I want to talk about running backs. I like running backs, I think the fantasy championships are one on the shoulders of a, of a running back tandem, you know, uh, anytime that I've ever won a chip, it's been on the back of a, of a stud running back core that your other skill positions can kind of complement, you know, add to the already high floor that, you know, a couple of real good performing high volume High efficiency running backs can give you. You know, there's only so many of them. They're bit. They're valuable. There's a lot of speculation that the league is going to more towards a pass heavy sort of, you know, sort of offense. Like there's a lot of teams that are invested, like investing in wide receivers and uh, Christian Kirk just like totally fucked the market and now they're all getting paid preposterous amounts of money. Like fine, you know, go get yours, but in fantasy, you want running backs, and I stick by that, I will die on that hill, I don't care what anybody tells you, all right, running backs win fantasy championships, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, so when we get into that, we want to know, what makes a good fantasy running back, and it's a combination of things, you know, you know, you can't pigeonholed into one thing or two things it's a it's a combination of all these you know all these factors and especially like i play in half point ppr leagues so everything is going to kind of be skewed that way my rankings that i'm going to hit you guys with um and my reasoning behind how i rank everybody and why how i put value on running backs uh, so starting with like volume you need volume as a running back if he's only getting you know five seven ten touches a game he's not he's not gonna do it for you man like that's just you you know maybe if you're in like a real shitty spot and you're you're deep in your in your bench looking for you know shuffling around plug-in players like that's what you can get and that's what you can get but if you're going to be drafting running backs in the first, second, third, fourth rounds this year, you want someone who's getting 15, 20, 25. There's a couple of guys who can do that, who can pull that off, get 25 touches a game, and are good with them, you know? So volume, is he getting the volume? And then, you know, the other side of that coin, the volume is efficiency. You know, he can get fucking 50 touches a game, but if he's only getting .2 yards, we each You know, each time he touches the ball, he's useless. He's not going to help you, and now you look dumb. Because that, you're, well, you know, he touches the ball, you know, he gets 50 carries, but he doesn't do anything with them. So you need a, a combination of volume and efficiency to kind of get yourself going here. And then something that I personally look at next is their situation. Like, where do they play... Who are their teammates? What other weapons are on the team? Who's their quarterback? Who's coaching? Do they have a new coach as as a whole? That's the most complicated factor. I think you have to look at is just overall situation. It's hard to, you know, after after a point it gets cloudy, to say oh so and so's situation is better than another player's, but there are some that are clearly pieces that you want, and then you have to and you factor in like how old are they how efficient are they how many you know how many carries does he get you know what what is what's going on here so it's a balance you know just like with any fancy player especially running backs i think there's a it's a delicate balance that you're trying to achieve because personally i want running backs on teams that win that win games you know that are surrounded by other weapons that if he's the only guy that's going to touch the ball on the team, then every defense in the league knows that that's where the ball is going. They're going to stack the box. They're going to stop him. His efficiency goes down. He might get 100 carries because that's the only way they're going to move the ball. But he's not going to get any scoring opportunities. He's not going to have very good efficiency. And they're going to be playing from behind, which means, you know, there goes there goes your volume. So, you know, if they're playing from behind – they're going to throw the ball more even if they're not throwing it to anybody notable they're going to throw the ball more so the situation affects all of those other factors you know and then there's obviously you know the athleticism of the player but we'll get to that we'll get to that and then as far as the situation goes like quarterback it's not a huge piece but it's a big enough piece that that I feel like I got to talk about it who is your quarterback can he throw the ball downfield can he open up options can he you know, exploit a defense and make them, you know, give them a little cushion so that there's dump-offs available, you know, little screen passes and whatnot to the running back, maybe out of the backfield, or maybe he can get, you know, a couple of yards before contact on a handoff or something because you have quarterback who can threaten the deep ball or can make moves with his legs. On the other side of that, there's quarterbacks, you know, like Kyler Murray, who he's going to take some goal-line carries. He's going to rush in, a, you know, a handful of touchdowns this year or next year or any year with his legs, and that maybe brings your your guys' value. You know, someone like James Conner, you know, just for this Kyler Murray argument, brings his value, da- his value down a little bit, but he's still going to have opportunities inside the 10, inside the 20, you know, on the goal line to make that happen on a offense that you know is going to score. So, just... Uh, disclaimer, he's not on my list of top 10 running backs. James Conner's not on this list, but he was a good example of, you know, a quarterback that allows things to happen on their offense. So let's let's get into it a little bit here, and I'm going to start with my, my number one start at the top. Number one fantasy running back going into 2022 is undoubtedly – Without question, Jonathan Taylor. I was big on Jonathan Taylor like two years ago, and he came out of Wisconsin, and he's a fucking stud. And I have a tendency to jump on the jump on guys a little early, you know, jump on. Oh, he's gonna be and a little early. I think I ended up trading him that year, and I didn't have the good fortune for him to follow me this past year, where he absolutely went fucking bananas. He is an absolute animal. He had eighteen touchdowns last year, all together. He gets the volume. He's on a team that can win in a division that's not all that great, you know. That on a you know Matt Ryan's going to open up some options there. They've got a competent enough, you know, a couple of receivers and a good you know a good Super Bowl losing but Super Bowl caliber quarterback I guess once upon a time, but he is the guy that you want is at that, that one 101 pick you want jonathan taylor that is pretty much that's it you know he had 85 touches in the red zone last year it's like 40 more than than the next guy it's insane so if you're not if you have the 101 pick and you try to tell me you're gonna take cooper cup i will laugh at you um you know each to each their own but no, dude. No, you can't. You can't, within good conscience, just let him fall to two. So Jonathan Taylor, number one running back, number one overall pick. That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, next, you know, some people might have reservations about what I'm going to say here. Um, you know, given his recent history, a little bit. Uh, but I'm putting Christian McCaffrey as my number 2 running back and his situation in Carolina is not great. We all know that, you know, anybody who watches football knows that Carolina is not the best offense in the league, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but Christian McCaffrey is elite. He's been elite every year that he's played any level of competition and he you know he, you know i get it you're skeptical he gets hurt he's been injured he's this and he's that but the potential you know are you are you you got to be ready to roll the dice on that you know he's only 25 his injury that he has isn't super indicative or predictive that he's going to get hurt again and if he's not hurt again and you didn't take him at 2 whatever or three if you want to be a cooper cup fanboy and say that he goes before that you're insane but whatever and then he slips and the guy behind you gets christian mccaffrey and you're full of regret and sadness because oh well i thought he was gonna get hurt so i didn't take him and he goes on a fucking tear like he always does he played four games last season and he had 21 or more half point ppr fantasy points last year he played four games He's a top five running back in every single one of those games. He has more than half the snaps. He's looking at, you know, 100-plus targets somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 targets. i said you know, 80, 90, 90 targets this season. If he's if he's healthy, he's, he is elite. So if you're ready to get hurt again, you know, sometimes you got to open yourself up to the possibilities. I, you know, we, we all have trauma pick your you know pick your trauma reach into the hat and pick one out you know some of you have bad things tied to christian mccaffrey broke your heart a couple of times try to love him again oh open up your heart love christian mccaffrey again trust him you know come on just just one more just one more try and number three i gotta have king henry And King Henry, you know his—he's coming off that injury. He played towards the end of the year. People worry about his foot, but the man is like a human tractor. He just—he's different, you know. He is a mammoth of a man. Uh, He came back from an injury that he probably shouldn't have come back from. He wasn't great. He was on before he got hurt. He—he was leading the league in rushing yards and he hadn't even played in several weeks and he was still the number one rusher in the league. He was sitting on the bench, sitting at home, eating cocoa puffs or whatever he was doing, and he was still number one rusher for several weeks. So there's that. There's some age concerns. He's, you know, twenty-eight and he did you know he did get hurt, so I'm not completely discounting that. He um so a combination of the volume that he gets, you know, he constantly takes a pounding You know, they feed him the ball 500 times a game. But he's good with those carries, man. Like, if he can stay healthy, and he probably will, you know, I understand. He may lose a little bit of a step, you know. He's a big guy. A a little bit of wear and tear just from the volume, the injury, the age. But he's in a run-first offense that their best wide receiver, until proven otherwise, is Robert Woods. Uh, So take Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is solid number three. He's gonna be a top 10 running back, you know, pretty much period. Uh, I don't really think his, you know, his little injury that he just fucking Wolverine healed from should be that much of a deciding factor of, you know, talking you out of taking him in the first round, early in the first round. Um, and he saw, uh, you know, an increase in targets last year. He saw several more targets than he has seen in the past. They're trying to get him involved in the passing game a little bit more. And that bodes well. You know, he is, you know, they and they may move towards that because he got hurt, because he's getting a little older, because he's got the wear and tear. They may not want to send him up the gut as much. Maybe they'll increase, you know, he was on pace for for more passing, uh, more receptions so they may do that to kind of have him step off the gas a little bit as far as running up the gut and taking a taking a beating every down so you know if you play in ppr leagues or half point ppr leagues that's still value and it's good value so derrick henry number three number four number four was kind of tough for me i i like him i uh, but I don't know really what's going on up there in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I have Najee Harris at number four. And I don't really know what the hell's going on up there in Pittsburgh. Right? We got a couple of guys that come on the show. They're big Pittsburgh fans. And, you know, they got those black and gold colored fucking glasses on. They don't see what us on the outside see. But I see a team that doesn't really have kind of lost their identity a little bit. And you know, no, no, there's no. They got no quarterback. Is it gonna be Mitch? Mitch Trubisky. Okay, maybe he's better than Ben, but he's still Mitch Trubisky and Or can he pick it? You know, I'm not super excited about either of them um, from a fantasy standpoint. But uh, tight ends and pass catching running backs are good, you know, outlets for inexperienced or maybe not so great quarterbacks trying to make something happen. So Najee gets he's it coming out of that backfield he gets all the touches their offense you know they added pickens they got um kenny pickett so they the steelers are known for drafts and wide receivers so they have wide receivers they have deontay johnson they have pickens they have Fryermuth who i love those guys are all you know other than deontay they're they're young yeah, it's it's a young core in a tough division you know mike Tomlin's a great coach so I'm not expecting incredible, necessarily, like, performance point-wise from them as they kind of try to figure out what works and what doesn't and rebuild from the ground up here a little bit. But Najee is going to get all the touches, and they're going to defer to him in situations where maybe they can't push the ball down the field, and he's going to get, you know, 40 touches a fucking game. He's not going to Maybe. I would it surprise me, not really, but, you know, he's going to get, he's a good receiver, he catches balls out of the backfield, he gets all the volume, he's, you know, he's powerful, he doesn't get hurt, you know, knock on wood, we're hoping he doesn't get hurt, um, so he is definitely a safe bet at that four spot, I think you can't really go wrong with him, you're not, he's going to be He's gonna be good. I don't want to. I almost compared him to like Nick Chubb in terms of consistency, but I think he is in a better situation in Nick than Nick Chubb, in that he doesn't have to share backfield carries and he he gets catches, he gets receptions. So Nick Chubb, um, not Nick Chubb, Jesus Mary Joseph, uh, Najee Harris, number four. Nick Chubb's not on this list either. So suck it, whatever, get over it. Five, mm. I almost put him a little higher, but I have Austin Eckler at five. Um, you know, Chargers, banging offense, one of the best offenses in the league. He's gonna have a lot of chances to score. He's gonna have the volume. He's gonna he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield. You're gonna see a recurring theme here as to what makes a a, a good fantasy running back. Like how involved are they? How how what's their chances of getting? The ball and getting it into the end zone you know so he's on a great offense with a great quarterback it's a lot of opportunities to score in a division where they're going to have to put up points gets the volume but but they did draft isaiah spiller in the second round he's a big boy 220 some odd pounds or whatever he is uh, so, there is a sh- pretty solid chance that Eckler is going to lose some of those goal line 10 zone touches to the big boy who's just going to f- fucking barrel it in and get and get some, and score some tutters for the bolts there. So, that is something that I would imagine is going to happen. They didn't take him that high to not use him, you know. Uh, they may be. A lot of teams move to committees. It makes it easier on the individual running backs. So especially a young, big, powerful running back as opposed to you know Eckler who's like five nine. You know they're gonna there. So he's gonna lose some touches on the goal line to Isaiah Spiller. So I would factor that into your decision if you decide to take Eckler at five in the first round. I've seen you know some people take him with two and three in some mock drafts, and I think that is a little you know you can't live in the past he had a great season last year but i don't know if he's he can't be i can't see him being worth a second the second overall pick I, I just can't i just can't see a second and third pick i don't think so um and you know he wasn't phenomenal in terms of touchdowns up until last year last year was his highest touchdown total I think he had like 12 or 13 he had hit eight a couple of times but before that, he had, you know, two, two, three, whatever it was, like, less than five. So there's a good chance that he kind of comes back down to earth a little bit and lives around that eight range. Which, you know, still okay, but not, I don't know that that's, you know, if there's anything to like, get super, super excited about getting off the hype of last year that he's going to come out and just perform like a fucking madman. I just don't see it. Um, Number six. Honestly, you could probably bump him, bump Echler down to six, and I wouldn't have any reservations about that, and bump our next guy, Dalvin Cook, up to five. You can kind of switch them around, you know, whatever you want to do. They're similar in some respects in what I looked at when I was ranking them. Because, you know, Dalvin Cook... Is explosive. He is he, he's not sharing again. Alexander Madison's back there, but Alexander Madison doesn't come in unless, until Dalvin, hurt gets Cook, get Dal, Dalvin Cook gets hurt. Excuse me, cheese. Um, and we all know that Dalvin Cook is going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. He's going to miss two, three games, four games maybe. He's going with that. When you decide you're going to draft Dalvin Cook, you are taking on that responsibility. So I need Dalvin Cook drafting people, whoever you may be, make a point to either go and get Alexander Madison or pick up another running back like in the mid rounds so you have that safety net to fall back on because Dalvin Cook is going to get hurt. When he's not hurt, he gets elite volume. He's a workhorse running back. He can break off big plays. He scores a shit ton of touchdowns. He got tackled a bunch last year, like inside the five. So that kind of hurt his performance a little bit. You know, he breaks off, he, he wiggles his way through, a, you know, a handful more of those. And he is, we're talking about it, you know, he's up in the top five regardless. He's in a good situation. They have a good, I don't like Kirk Cousins. I'll tell you that. I don't care. Whatever. I don't like Kirk Cousins, but Justin Jefferson elite. Adam Thielen, he's good. You know, nothing against Adam Thielen. He's a good pass catcher. I we I remember the days when he was just a bona fide stud. So there's nothing against him. Good receiver. And they got KJ Osborne, who's coming into his own a little bit. So they have opportunities. Open up the lanes here. You know, open up the opportunities for Dalvin Cook. Dalvin, you know, he gets about fifty targets a season is what it looks like when I when I pull it up here on pro football reference. That's uh that's what we're looking at. So you know, is if you're willing to accept that if you take Dalvin Cook, you're gonna be missing him for a couple of weeks. He is, he's got better upside, just as good, if not better, than anybody else on this list. So, that's, i have pretty much fading him because we know he's gonna get hurt. He he loses, you know, he loses a step when his pace gets thrown off, all that kind of shit. So. And, uh, yeah, so, and, oh, here it is, here I couldn't find it, so he's got, and he had 13 TDs in in 2019, 17 TDs in 2020, and he, like, came back down and he had six touchdowns in 2021 last year? Something doesn't seem right, so I will be betting that Dalvin Cook is back up to at least 10 touchdowns, 10, 10, 10-12 touchdowns next year. On a better team, they've switched up the the offense a little bit. They got a new, you know, they got a, some new, new management going on there. But he's an elite weapon, and you got to use him. So I don't, I don't see them straying too far from that, especially. So Dalvin Cook, I like Dalvin Cook this year. Uh, I think that, and if you're, if I'm telling, but I'm warning you, he's gonna get hurt. So just be ready for it. And. At seven, I posted a little poll on Twitter, you know, because we're super, super popular like that, about my next two guys. So I wanted to see what everybody thought, just because I like to, again, like I like to weigh situations, and they are very comparable in terms of, you know, uh, situations and what they what they've been do what they did last year. So at seven, I have. Uncle Lenny, Lenny Fournette, dude. I I like Lenny. Uh, you know, he he's on a great team. He's got Brady. Bucks are a playoff, you know, Super Bowl contender. They don't have Gronk anymore. Gronk retired for now. We know how that goes. And they're not going to have Chris Godwin for a while. So that may mean that Lenny, who saw, like, a preposterous 84 targets in the 14 games that he played may see a couple more because where's your tight you know you're missing your tight end you're missing your you know your second your wide receiver two for a little while that may result in some more touches some more targets for Lenny which is just points it's money in the bank baby you want that he runs hard you know he looked good um he had he had eight rushing touchdowns and two receiving t- touchdowns last year, so ten total touchdowns. Which I'm not complaining about that man, especially if you can get him late in the, in the first round. You know that's a that's a steal. So and there and he's not really going to be splitting any carries with anybody back there. Brady trusts him. That's huge. Anybody who who's been watching knows that like if Brady trusts you, he's going to feed you that ball. You're gu- you're gonna get the ball. Now, what's he gonna do with it? He runs hard. He looked great, you know. He's still relatively young. He's not, you know, he's not an old guy. He's not he gets banged up a little bit here and there, but hasn't really slowed him down. He hasn't really missed a step. So I'm putting Lenny at seven. And then eight, I have Joe Mixon. So I you know I, I, there was something in me that couldn't put Joe higher than eight. I thought about putting him seven, but my own bias of I like Lenny (laughs) wouldn't let me do that. And I just, something about Joe, like I know he was great last year. He plays on a great, you know, developing offense there, you know, maybe arguably the best receiving core in the league. Uh, Great young quarterback. They bolstered that offensive line a little bit. Joe Mixon gets a shit ton of early down carries and goal line carries, and he's you know they're they're giving him the ball, but he doesn't catch a lot of passes. They bring in those other guys, P Ryan or whoever else they got back there to kind of. So he loses a little bit there, and Joe Mixon's not ever gonna break like a big huge play he's not going to take the ball 60 yards to the crib. He's not going to do it. Um so that kind of hurt him a little bit in these rankings. But I, you know, he's a, he's good. I just can't rank him higher than 8. I don't know why. I don't expect him to you know, he had 16 touchdowns last season. Am I reading that right? That's insane. I know I wrote these I wrote these notes, but is that I got to double check that. That can't be be real, can it? Pull that up for me. Last season, Joe Mixon had 13 rushing touchdowns. Damn. Damn, he, he had 13 rushing touchdowns and three receiving touchdowns last year. 16 total touchdowns, which is just a preposterous outlier for everything that he's done over the last five seasons you know (laughs) last year he had 16 but the year before that he had four and the year before that he had eight and the year before that he had nine and the year before that he had four so four touchdowns in 2017 eight touchdowns in 2018 nine touchdowns in 2019 7 touchdowns in 2020, 16 touchdowns in 2021. Some mm-hmm. – uh, no. <laughs> I don't – he's not doing that again. You heard it here first. He's not doing that again. He'll do well. I don't expect him. I could see him in the 10, 12 touchdown neighborhood, but he's not. 16 touchdowns is a lot. I He's got to come back to earth a little bit there, especially as they kind of start to spread the ball around a little bit more and take advantage of that incredible receiving core. Not that they didn't do that last year, but – that seems like they've given Joe Burrow a little bit more protection on that old line. Maybe they're just going to let him sling the ball a little bit more. So maybe Joe loses out in the touchdown department next year. That 16 touchdowns, I don't think that it's sustainable. So he's my number eight. Number nine, I have someone who's a little bit of a question mark. Alvin Kamara, where we you know he's dealing with some legal issues right now. He beat somebody up in Las Vegas Uh, before the pro bowl or whatever um so you know who knows what that means it's the nfl maybe he plays i'm hoping he plays maybe he doesn't play whatever and earlier in the the earlier on in the off season excuse me i had some you know some questions about alvin like what's going on over there in New Orleans who's their quarterback it's between Jameson and Taysom Hill and whoever the fuck else like that's not that doesn't that doesn't get me excited as far as building the building an offense with one of those guys doesn't doesn't you know doesn't fucking blow me away so but then you know the draft happened and there's some talk about Michael Thomas coming back and Jarvis Landry went there so they've got a decent receiving core, you know, under the expectation that Michael Thomas actually plays. We're expecting him and hoping that he does. Uh, They got Chris Olave in the draft. They got uh, Jarvis Landry, Cleveland. So that's a reasonable core. And Jameis Winston, he may not be the most accurate quarterback in the league you know he throws a lot of picks historically and he does his weird workouts and whatever works for you man i'm not i'm not hating on your on your on your swag there but he can stretch the fucking field he throws the ball down the field which could be a very good thing for alvin you know who catches a lot of passes you know he is he can do he can do it all he runs well he's a great receiver he scores a shit ton of touchdowns when the offense is performing. So, if he can play, if he's playing this year, and, you know, I'm not crazy about fucking what's-his-face Jameis, E to W Jameis, but I feel a lot better about Alvin than I did earlier in the offseason. Um, so, that that's kind of... He may lose out, Alvin might lose out a little bit on some of those targets that he would get normally, like with Drew Brees or whatever, because there are more receivers to feed. They're not, you know, super crazy prolific receivers, but Michael Thomas, if he plays, Olave and Landry are gonna take some of those some of those pass attempts away from Alvin. So but he's efficient. He scores a lot of touchdowns. If that offense can perform I'm, I'm happy with Alvin at, at 9 if he plays. Um, and then finally... Excuse me. Scrolling down my notes here. I have DeAndre Swift. Now, he... I like DeAndre Swift. I think he's talented. He's efficient with his carries. He's got big playability. He checks a lot of boxes. The sad and unfortunate truth about DeAndre Swift is he plays for the Detroit Lions. What the fuck is that? It's real hard for me to like believe in anything Detroit Lions related. I know Amon-Ra St. Brown shocked the world last year and proved to be you know a good a good you know a good pick for them and he did well and that's great. And Hawkinson, he we expect him to be back and healthy this year so two passing options and they drafted Jameson Williams who when he's healthy he's gonna be or he should be he's expected to be you know a factor on that offense and then they when they paid uh DJ Chark who some years ago was really 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 good with the uh with the Jaguars so on paper it sounds good it, you know Jared Goff's not a terrible quarterback by you know I don't Maybe I give him a little bit more respect than than some other people. I don't think Jared Goff is is a terrible quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He's not great, but you could do worse than Jared Goff. Um, you know, so they've got weapons. They've got a somewhat competent quarterback. Their offensive line isn't all all of that. It's not good. They're the Lions. You know, you could tell me, you know, in twenty two different languages that well, they have, and they have this, and they did this, and they signed so-and-so, but I can't really get over the Lions thing. That makes it hard for me. But DeAndre Swift is going to be a focal point of that offense. The addition of these other weapons is going to open up opportunities for him to perform. Um, he is probably going to get hurt. He misses a couple of games every year, you know, two or two or three or whatever. He's kind of in the same boat as Dalvin Cook um, last year he performed well he would have been he was a solid you know RB2 and he didn't he didn't perform up to what he is capable of last year. So I expect him to do better to play better to run better next year on this improved offense. If he stays healthy and, you know, they don't lion that up and fuck that up too bad. I don't expect anything, you know, great. He's got the skills. He checks a lot of boxes. He's got big playability. He has great pass-catching ability. He catches about 80% of his targets. But he only had five rushing touchdowns last year. So I expect that to go up because this is going to be year three for him. They're gonna feed. They're gonna feed him. They're gonna try to and you know, who do they have up there? Dan Quinn, who wants to bite off people's knees. They they're gonna try to pour on some points here and I hope that that works out for DeAndre Swift. I, I think that he could be a nice pick at you know, pick at ten if you if that's where you wanna go with that. I, I, I wouldn't fall you for that. I think that you roll the dice on he's got great upside, you know, great value, Delvin Cook kind of kind of situation. Um I don't have a problem with that. I think that that is that you could be, yeah. I, you know, shit. If I'm sitting at, at the last pick in my draft and he's, you know, last pick of the first round, John Switch is sitting there. It's gonna be real tough to pass pass up on that. So that is gonna be my top ten running back rankings going into fantasy season for 2022. I'm just going to run them back real fast. Uh, Just a recap, number one, Jonathan Taylor. Number two, Christian McCaffrey. Number three, Derrick Henry. Number four, Najee Harris. Number five, Austin Eckler. Number six, Dalvin Cook. Number seven, Leonard Fournette. Number eight, Joe Mixon. Number nine, Alvin Kamara. And number 10, wrapping up with DeAndre Swift. And that is going to be... My top 10 running back rankings for now is probably going to be garbage, you know, in a month as we fucking creep closer to to all our drafts and, you know, we find out if Alvin's going to play and we find out, you know, so-and-so, all kinds of shit. So it's not set in stone, but that's what I'm going with for the time being. And uh, and if you don't like it, make your own rankings. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining me. Uh, good luck out there. And we're going to try to get a wide receiver ranking coming your way sh- shortly. We also want to do some player comps in, our, in one of our next episodes. And I'd like to come back and hit you guys with that uh, draft strategy episode that I've been meaning to do for a while. But, you know. It's hard to get everybody on the same page in this in this business here, you know. We're all spread out all over the friggin' country, so getting everybody on some some standard time shit can be a little complicated, but we'll get that to you as fast as we can. Thank you for joining me today. And this has been Zach May, and you were listening to Long Shots Fantasy Football.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the long shots make sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you can continue to follow the boys on their crazy journey wishing you luck on your upcoming games and we'll see you next time